Hey friends, Harrison here, and I cannot believe it's been a few years since we started this podcast. One of the things that we get asked about a ton is what training plan should I follow? And so we've decided to develop our own and get it into an app that you can download. So if you're looking for a plan that's interactive, that you can not only see which miles to run, but which strength exercises to do and watch videos and be able to have a checklist system that will literally walk you through the plan and help you keep track of your progress, we've got you covered. Go ahead and click on the link in the description to get started. You're going to have a seven-day free trial. Give it a shot. Let us know what you think, and good luck. Have fun out there, guys. Hey, everyone. Just wrapped up a workout one week post-race, getting into my car. Last time I checked in with you all, um, it was like, hey, I don't really have time to do a full-blown episode, uh, but here we go. So hit us up on Instagram. Let me know what you think about this, if it's a waste of your time or if it's valuable. But today I'm going to bring you four things that I learned from my marathon that I did a week ago. And I just really want to talk about um, those things in depth. Hopefully they're helpful to you. You know, last time I checked in, I was super nervous about the race. I feel like I crushed it. So I'll go through some of that. Um, But I wanted you all to hear how normal that is. I go through it every time before a triathlon, before a a marathon. Uh, That was my third official marathon. But even before half marathons, I kind of get that jittery feeling. So um, I'm coming to you without Mo again today because um, for us to sit down and record with the microphones and everything, it's a whole ordeal. I'm just sitting here in my car recording this from my phone. So I hope you enjoy it and hope you at least get something out of it. Um, But yeah, I just want to train... Uh, share what I learned during this training cycle. Um, and, and one thing I want to add before I get into that is when they say don't, or when they say to, to rest after a race. So some people will say rest one day for every mile that you ran in your race. So for example, if you ran a half marathon, you'd want to rest for about two weeks. If you ran a marathon, it's going to be like three to four weeks. Here's the thing. I used to think that meant just sit on the couch, do nothing, rest your legs literally for that whole period of time. Um, I've since learned just through experience and talking to people that that's, that's really not the case. I mean, you probably don't want to go out and do some long runs and you probably don't want to do anything that's strenuous, but you can get to the gym. You can do some cross training. You can do a little bit of strength training if you, if your muscles are are recovered and you're not feeling injured. Um, I think that's super important, you know, because imagine how much, uh, laziness you can you can start to build over the course of four weeks if you literally don't work out going from a marathon to that and I think there's you know there's always talk about like a post-race depression kind of thing and that's probably a contributor so my main point here um is just you know try to get out as soon as you're not feeling you know any any pains or injured um and, and start doing some cross training so for me I waited an entire week I didn't do any working out I walked around and stuff, but didn't actually train. And then today was uh, a full week after I did uh, about 10 minutes on an elliptical, 10 minutes on the, on the bike. Um, I did run one mile, super, super slow, and it felt good. Um, and then I did a little bit of strength, but that was about it. So super short workout, just kind of get some blood flow. Um, but once again, I'm not feeling any injuries at all. So I was able to do that. Um, so before I jump into the four things that I learned from this marathon, I just want to share that I was lucky enough to, for the most part, be injury-free during this training cycle. So that was the first time that had happened for me. And what I attribute that to is experience. So when I started training for my first marathon, when I started, you know, when Mo and I started this podcast, 
it was my first time really running anything, any distance, and I went straight to the 26.2. So I'm not trying to discourage anyone from that, but when you start to get those overuse injuries going from zero to super long miles, um, that's probably going to happen. And now that my body's been you know, accustomed to running a consistent 20 to 40 miles a week, um, it, it, it doesn't affect me like it did. And I'll say that post-race, uh, even after my half marathon back in November, and then now in, after this marathon, it's a different feeling when your legs are, are used to running that high mileage. Um, you know, you recover a lot quicker. And I was just watching a YouTube video that Molly Seidel put out. If you don't know who she is, I highly recommend you check her out. She, she won the U.S. bronze in this past uh, Tokyo Olympics. Um, she, and she went, I don't know her whole story, but she went from like, I think her first marathon was the Olympic trials and she crushed it. And then, you know, she, she won a bronze. So anyways, she had put out in this YouTube video that two years ago after a half marathon, she would have had to take, you know, like a week off or so and really just recover. Um, she ran the half marathon that I just ran. So I ran the, the Mesa marathon and she ran the half just as a training run. And in her YouTube video, she talks about how that week she had run 130 miles. Now she's pro she's Olympian, different story. But her point was as she's built experience and, and, uh, as she's conditioned her body, she's able to do a race like that and just bounce right back for her. It was just kind of a training run. So I want to throw that out there for everyone. If you're feeling like, man, I keep getting injured. This is frustrating. Just hang in there. Don't be too hard, hard on yourself. That's normal. That's going to happen. And just know that as you get into your second, third, fourth marathon, it's going to get better. So there is light at the end of the tunnel. Just hang in there. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I promise you, it, it's going to get better. All right. So guys, I, I know Mo's not here to, to, to chat with me. And so um, my voice can get kind of boring. But I promise these four things are going to help you um, because this is what I'm going to be focusing on for my next marathon, which by the way, my next race is um, the half Ironman in October in Tempe, Arizona. But a friend of mine's running the Rio de Janeiro uh, marathon in June, and I might go run with him. But if I do, I'm going to pace him and I'm going to focus not on speed, but really just taking in all the views. Apparently there's a, one of the wonders of the world on this race. So um, anyways, all right, let's jump in. So the first thing is I neglected um, strength training. Actually, before I jump in, I'm sorry. I want to talk about my race real quick. So I ran the Mesa Marathon and it was amazing. So if you ever have the opportunity and you want to run a race in Arizona, because I know a lot of people listening are either in um, Europe or Australia or Canada or different parts of the US, um, come to Arizona and run the Mesa Marathon. It is a beautiful race. Um, you start off kind of halfway up a mountain and it's not even really a mountain. It's more like a, a shallow mountain, but anyways, you start up kind of four miles up the mountain, they bust you out there and you're running down right as the sun's coming up. I mean, it is absolutely gorgeous. And then you run kind of the rest into the city, um, of Mesa, which is a, a big city right next to Phoenix, um, kind of part of the Phoenix Metro area. But anyways, amazingly organized, they had an app where it would literally chime in your ear, tell you cool things about Arizona, tell you when the next aid station's coming up, what they're serving at the aid station. Um, I mean, I, I just can't say enough good things about the race. Tons of people, I think they said 40% of the, the racers came from out of town. 
um, a ton of people BQ'd, um, had PRs. I, I personally, I had a PR. I ran one minute faster than my last marathon. So at first I was a little bummed out. I was a little disappointed. I felt like as I was running the race, you know, especially cause the app was chiming in my ear saying, you know, you're on pace to run a three 15 marathon, you know, like that was my goal. And every mile after that, it, you know, after like the first eight to 10 miles, it slowly started getting slower and slower until I finally finished. Um, I'll actually read off my, my finish time. It was, uh, well, I'm not going to look for it, but anyways, it was like three twenty seven fifty or something like that. It was a, a seven fifty five average, which, um, if you're listening to this podcast and you find it from the episode one, you'll know that my first marathon, I ran in a four ten. So to be able to shave off over 40 minutes in two years, I think is a pretty good accomplishment. And I don't say that to brag, but I say that to tell you it's totally, totally possible. Like if I could do it, anyone can do it. You just have to be consistent. So anyways, nice race. And even though I was a little bummed that I finished only one minute faster than my previous, cause I felt like I was on track to run a lot faster, like probably 10 to 15 minutes faster. I realized one, I'm going to tell you the things that I did that I should have done during my training cycle. But two, I, um, I think it was a harder course than the one I ran back in April. That was like a straight downhill course with like 2,500 feet elevation loss. This one had about 800 to a thousand, which is still a great downhill, downhill, uh, quick race, but, um, not anything like the one that I ran. Uh, I just think when you're running that much downhill, you're able to move a lot quicker, um, and bank a lot more time at, at kind of at the beginning of the race. But anyways, let's jump in. So the first thing is I neglected strength training and I always do this. I always tell myself, there's a loud Mustang next to me. Um, I always tell myself that I'm going to train, uh, and I'm going to focus hard on, on my miles, but I'm going to also take, you know, one to two strength training days per week. I never do. And it's frustrating. Like, and I don't know if it's just cause I don't have a solid plan that's holding me accountable to the strength piece of it. Um, so one piece of advice, if you're working with a coach like I am, and this is something I'm going to do, I'm going to tell my coach, Hey, I'm, I want to put a focus and emphasis on strength training this cycle. Can you not only put in my mileage, but exactly what I should be doing for strength, like to the T how many reps of what exercise, because I think that would hold me more accountable, but I, I just, I never do it. And when I got to those last six to eight miles, my legs were just completely shot and my time slowed about a minute and a half slower than my goal pace, which I don't think that's supposed to have. I mean, I think it's pretty normal that you get tired after 18 to 20 miles, but I, I think if you look at the pros, which, you know, long shot here, they're finishing an hour or more faster than me. Um, but I, 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 th- I think when you watch them, they're not slowing I mean, they might slow a little bit towards the end, but they're holding a pretty consistent pace. So I think that's the goal is to try to get to a point to hold a consistent pace. And I haven't yet cracked the code on how to do that. I think strength training is a big piece of it. So I'm going to be focusing more on strength training my, uh, my legs. Um, you know, I, I, if you ask me how many squats I did during this whole training cycle, I could probably count them on one hand. And I, and I know that's embarrassing, um, but I just, I didn't. And, uh, yeah, it's frustrating. So I'm not going to try to beat myself up too much, but know better for next time that I need to do some strength training. All right. The second thing that I'm going to do better that I learned from this last race, which once again, is always a struggle for me is my diet, you know, and I don't know if I need to pay a nutritionist to literally tell me what to eat, when to eat it. 
I'm good at sticking to a plan. If someone tells me what to do, like in school, I was always good at taking tests or following tasks, you know, when people tell me things. Um, but when it comes to like my personal life and my own training, um, it can be hard to hold myself accountable. And so I probably put on five to 10 pounds from where I was my last marathon, which probably, you know, could have helped if I was a little bit more fit. And I know they say, don't focus too much on your, on your race weight, you know, really just focus on, on, on training and eating enough to keep yourself fueled, which I definitely did that. But I also felt like I went overboard. I started traveling for work. I started a new job. Um, and kind of knowingly I would just pig out and, you know, I think it's okay every once in a while, but I, I was pretty excessive and, uh, look, I like food. I'm not going to lie. It's one of my, one of my vices. I'm not mad about it. I'd rather be obsessed with food than, you know, something else that's illegal or something like that. But at the same time, I, I think if I could really hone in, um, on my diet, I would be a much better performer. And it's kind of funny. I was, I was talking to my friend, Nick. And Nick, shout out to Nick Miller. He um, just ran his first ultra. It was a 50K. And he went from like, I remember talking to him about a year ago. And he said, man, I, can, I can't do anything more than seven miles. And he just ran a trail ultra. So huge shout out to him. But anyways, he and I were talking and, and he said, you know, I just love Mountain Dew and Doritos way too much. Um, he's like, if I didn't eat so bad, I would look like a Greek statue. <laughs> And he's spot on, like, and he looks, you know, he looks great. He's fit, he's trim, but um, I feel like same goes for me. You know, if I didn't eat so much candy or cake or, uh, you know, fried foods and just lots and lots of excess food, like I could be a better performer. So um, something I definitely want to focus on this next training cycle. The third thing that I learned is volume of miles really matters especially at the end of the race I feel like this training cycle I did really good on speed work I worked with my coach a lot on that Um, I had some great long runs where he had me work in some intervals and things so I felt really prepared those first 18 miles I had run 18 miles three weeks straight um, the few weeks before my taper and I really just I felt like my long runs were pretty good Um, but I, I feel like my overall volume so my overall mileage was um, was lacking. So if you're listening to this and you're you know you're training for your first marathon, this is going to be kind of a different conversation, right? You don't really want to push your volume too high if you're going from zero to training for the first time. So, but you know the first thing, two things I talked about: strength training, everyone can do; diet, everyone can do. Volume of miles. I mean, I I think this is something a little more. Um, targeted to people who who have a couple of marathons under their belt and want to really go to that next level. I think that's where volume of mileage comes into play. So, um, you know, for example, my first marathon following the Hal Higdon plan, I ran, I think my my highest mileage week was 30, low 30s to maybe 35 miles. Um, During my second marathon training, I think I got up to like 40, 45, maybe even 50 and then this cycle, I think the highest I went was about 40. So I, I think there's definitely something to it, getting to, you know, a consistent higher mileage. I, I think my body's probably capable of being up in the mid 50s, maybe low 60s at this point. Um, I just need to work in that volume and, and run more consistently and run just a little bit more slow miles. Because I think that's where a lot of the 
endurance comes in in the later miles um and then i think also mentally you know um when you're consistently running seven eight nine miles on a daily basis those last six miles don't seem so bad and and some of these are assumptions but you look at the pros and and they're all running 120 to 150 miles a week um obviously that's next level those are people who that's their career so they have tons of time to recover Um, but even people who qualify for boston who are really quick i I think i think they're usually running kind of 60 to 80 miles a week Um, now granted there's exceptions and there's people who are naturally gifted and fast and um, but for someone like me, who's kind of a, just an everyday average Joe, um, trying to work on improving speed, um, and endurance, I, I think increasing that volume over time is important. So hopefully that made sense and something that I'm going to focus on the next time. But the thing I'll add to that is it's important to run injury free. And that's one thing I felt like I did really good this training cycle. So, um, just, just, uh, keep in mind if you're pushing it and you're starting to get injured, that's probably a sign that your body's not ready or you're not taking the time to recover. All right, the last thing, number four, I didn't do any hill training. So if you live in an area where you have hills, this is probably something that you do naturally. Um, I happen to live in an area where it's completely flat. And if I want to get to any hills, I just need to get in the car and drive. There was a section of the race that was, it was two straight miles uphill. And it was pretty tough because I felt my quads and my calves burning and that was only mile five and miles five and six. So I don't think that helped me towards the end of the race. So some hill training would have definitely helped in conjunction with some strength training. So, um, yeah, I mean, those are the four things I, I think those are probably pretty, you know, that's probably common sense for a lot of you. And sorry if this was a waste of your time, but, uh, I will tell you that when you're trying to juggle work and, you know, a family and a social life and all the other things that come with life, and then you throw marathon training on top of it, and then all of the aspects, you know, of training for a marathon, it's it's hard to do everything right. Um, you know, I might have had good speed workouts, and I might have had good long workout, you know, long runs, but I missed, you know, a, a few things that would have helped me out tremendously. And, and I'm not mad at myself. I'm not beating myself up, but I just take it as a learning opportunity. You know, I think at the end of a race, a lot of people say, I'm never doing that again, or that was so hard. Why did I put myself through that? And I think naturally in the last few miles, everybody's going to think that, but we can choose to, you know, what we want to take from an event like this, you know, do we want to learn from it or, um, do we want to just throw in the towel and say, well, that was hard. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't perform the way I wanted to. So I'm done with this whole running thing. So, um, definitely not the approach that I'm taking. Uh, I'll try to keep you guys updated as much as I can. I, I know it's a bummer that Mo's not here, uh, talking with me. Um, I, I wasn't kidding when I said last time we, we've just been super busy with life and, uh, you know, we miss doing our podcast. And so, um, hopefully this is a, a good way for me to check in periodically sitting in my car in the parking lot <laughs> at the gym. Um, but reach out, please stay in touch. We, we miss all of you and, um, we can't wait to, to go get back to the podcast eventually. So, um, tuning out here, keep on the lookout for my training for the half, mar- uh, the half Ironman. If any of you are doing a half Ironman or, or any type of triathlon right now, 
Um, would love to connect with you and share some ideas and some training tips. Um, if you all are interested in getting into a, a triathlon, I know this is marathon training for beginners, but you know, if you're looking for a good way to cross train, um, I think, I think uh, triathlons have been really fun for me. And, and actually, I think I would attribute some of my uh, improvements in staying injury free to triathlons because it's a nice way to break up the season. So, you know, what I've decided is winters I'll run a marathon and summers I'll run summers and fall. I'll run a, a, a do a triathlon. So I think if I can kind of stick to that schedule over the course of the next, however many years, um, I, I can really see myself enjoying that and kind of breaking it up. So I'm not just constantly marathon training year round. So, all right, guys, it's been fun and we'll catch you soon. Thanks. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Follow us on Instagram at Crummy Marathoners. We'd love to hear your feedback and take any questions you might have. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes come out. And please leave us a five-star review so more people can join this running journey with us. Our theme song is Change the World by Breck. You can find his music on Spotify, searching B-R-E-K-K.